There's a lot of big news in the criminal justice system this week. Would you agree? I would agree with that, yeah. Yeah. So, in the Eastern District of New York, um, there's a class action lawsuit against Taco Bell Mm -hmm. for allegedly skimping on the meat in their Crunchwrap Supremes. And honestly, I mean, I, I think I think it's kind of it, it's the only way you can get justice uh, served properly, and that justice is served cold, like most Taco Bell food. Is this like the fourth uh, lawsuit they're facing? Are there, are there multiple? I remember because no, I the, they had the whole story. I, I, think I was about I this. was there... making I was making a joke there, but you didn't you didn't, the you didn't lawsuit you didn't pick up on it. Wait, the fourth? You know, Trump four indictments. Come on, man. No, that well, that that was my joke about the big big week. I, well, I know, and I was trying to build well, on that, and then well, uh, I oh. know, but well, but but is 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 Taco Bell doing the Rico? <laughs> Seriously, here's the thing. Uh, where's, threads, where's Pope? Where's Pope at? He's on Threads. Is, is he? He must. Is. He, he must be. I, I, well, is is he really excited or is he really mad? I could see it going he's, either way. He's he's both because because yeah. it's 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 never the Rico until it is, <laughs> and in the Georgia case, it absolutely is. So he he's a good man. Threads is, it has its moments, and I miss Darth. And again, don't have a blue sky invite. And honestly, I I think Darth probably, and and I don't and not to besmirch him, but I feel like he here he here they or whatever has probably used this moment of social media turmoil to probably just maybe take a little hibernation, much deserved. But like I I, I can't imagine having to try to th- spread yourself across like three burgeoning social networks because some schmuck chose to ruin the website that was bad for society, but also kind of enjoyable sometimes, which was Twitter. Can I, um, um, can I go a little meta on you for a second? Sure. Uh, so right before we started recording, we were talking about my setup. I'm, I'm out outside tonight. And uh-huh. I, I think I was um, saying positive things about the sidecar feature, which is where you can use your iPad mm-hmm. as a second display. Uh-huh. Well, I'm currently having an issue as I'm talking to you now where that display is frozen. Let like it go. I, I, I think Audio Hijack is still running, but I think it's just like the display that's frozen. So I'm, I'm now going to come in here and disconnect the iPad, which I've now done. Well, and yeah, audio hijack is is running, so the the iPad screen just froze. So I'm now closing my iPad, and I'm not going to be using that. Okay, so several things. One, we're going to get back to the Taco Bell news because uh, the show is has has order and has has an agenda. But also, one uh, or the the other thing is that I I do want the listeners to know the disservice that you do to them, which is that you don't take the. Um, you are not you, you. You're doing this on Wi-Fi, aren't you? You did not choose to run a hundred foot Ethernet cable out to your backyard, and I, and I and I feel like that shows a lack of respect for people who, who listen to two people talk about technology with kind of uninformed opinions. So if so if we podcasts. so if we simply took our um, Zoom recordings and threw those into logic or just threw those straight into like audacity and made an mp3 or something then i totally agree with you but but we we go through the the painstaking work of taking our local recordings stitching those together and using that for the show so the the listeners are 
none the wiser whether I'm on Wi-Fi or Ethernet. The only person who's impacted by that is you. So I know. I, I apologize. <laughs> what about my ears? How dare you? <laughs> I think my um, I think my Wi-Fi is. Uh, I think it's pretty it's solid. Not. No, it's you're, not? you're getting kind of. You know how the how Zoom like it has very um, recognize like when you're on a not amazing Zoom connection, but it's still holding on. It has a level of like roboticness and kind of like sound artifacts that, that are just quintessentially Zoom. Mm. It's very much that right now. Yeah, I um, I am hardwired when I'm on Zoom, like all day, every day, but but not mm-hmm. um, not in this. But not, but not not for your side hustle. Not okay. for my side hustle. No, not when I'm in the backyard. When I when I'm recording in the office with you, then I'm then I'm on that hardwired connection, but not not out here it actually would not be the most ridiculous thing for me to run ethernet out here because one of my little tp link things is is in the room in the house that's closest to where i am now and it that does have a spare ethernet port on it so i could run a i don't know probably a 50 foot cable and that would that would get out here mm-hmm. but then also well, my MacBook Air obviously doesn't have an Ethernet port. I, I guess I do have a little USB-C thingy that's got Ethernet mm-hmm. on it. Eh, like, I actually do have some spare long Ethernet cables. So I'll I'll leave, I mean, leave me a comment card. I'll I'll take that into consideration. <laughs> this this is requiring so much work on my part that is not necessary. Um, I guess my point would be that if if we're hoping to adapt to climate change, you should maybe think about like doing a parallel wiring of uh, and a spare Ethernet cable to the string lights because outdoor pods will probably become more likely. <laughs> See, or that's, that's, if uh, we um, if we ever end up redoing our backyard someday, I'll make the really odd request, or maybe I could just even just do this myself, where before they pour the concrete, I'll just run some Ethernet cable underneath that, and then well, I guess I would then need their help to have some little hole that that pops out of near the table here well that actually wouldn't be a terrible idea just because uh as we've covered many times and actually <clears throat> uh unintentional friend of the show M- mg siegler has covered uh sonos uh its relationship to wi-fi is becoming increasingly precarious so if you're rolling like a backyard speaker having uh hardwired ethernet would not be a terrible idea uh, my my whole my whole sonos setup of which i you know have too many sonos speakers one could argue I've got that all on Wi-Fi, and I actually find that to be pretty solid. We used to not be the case, but these days well, it I think seems Son- pretty good. Sonos is still very much of the, if something starts going sideways, you just have to, like, troubleshooting a Sonos thing versus just nuking the entire setup, it's... Uh, well, there, there really is, there's no, there's no troubleshooting. It's, correct. It's just, you, you, you unplug the power, you plug it back in, and you hope it works. That's, that's about it. Mm-hmm. Getting back to the important news, mm-hmm. yeah. Somebody is suing Taco Bell, or many people are suing Taco mm-hmm. Bell. Because mm-hmm. I think did did I not send you a picture of this? I think, or maybe I. Because uh, again, we've we've covered it. I, I will have sometimes have like bouts of shame, or or sometimes a night will go a certain way where doing downloading. Because here's the thing: I don't I don't leave the app installed on my phone because I don't enjoy it. But maybe once every three months, um. The Taco Bell app will get downloaded in shame, and there will be a couple of Doritos Locos tacos, and uh, whatever will get will get ordered um, using 
my Google voice number and a fake email address because I don't want them to know mm. that I'm like you have to it's like yeah like like if you like if let's say you you wanted to, to commit some crimes like, like let's I, I can't imagine who would do that but like if you're, if you're doing something vaguely illegal you will you, again you have to cover you have to cover your tracks but um and that's also the same approach you take when you are ordering food that um ideally nobody other than let's say six people who listen to the show uh need to know about yeah but, but, not, but think, to, not to reveal too much but I, I have gotten the late night slack message from you that which is the only thing it is is a, is a screenshot of the taco bell app which which as you say is is, is a clear sign that a night has gone a certain way here but <laughs> and i don't actually mean it's gone badly it just mean it just means yeah, that it's a certain it's, way it, yeah it just it just means that it's it's ten forty at night and because san francisco is san francisco everything's closed right um except that uh and also i'm always in in that fit of shame show time um i will delete the app too early which makes getting like a your order number or a status update on the order uh basically impossible mm. so i'm 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 not a smart man in that way it's not a apple subscription situation where you can cancel the subscription but still have access to it until the end of your current term sort of thing mm. <laughs> no it's it's not it's not a coloring book app <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah uh anyway this pick this i, I just I just find this funny because like it's it's always that kind of thing where actually I know you don't like them that much but like I feel like in terms of food that looks like the way it's advertised or it's supposed to be super duper is very like true to what it's supposed to be like it it's generally a, a, a um an aesthetically pleasing meal and also um the best uh like reasonably priced hamburger you can get in California. But I think super duper in terms of uh fast food is the closest to what it's supposed to look like where your McDonald's is your uh, other than like fries cuz fries are impossible to not look the way it's supposed to. Uh but your McDonald's is uh your Taco Bells, even your Chipotle's and Panera's. It generally like on this NBC news article which you'll have in the show notes. I feel like I've had that crunch wrap the one on the right, not the one on the left. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 yeah, it's a lot. Anyway, so we will wait and see if this um, case is resolved before Super Tuesday. It's a bad week for America, but it was, it was fine. Oh, uh, and the one other thing, and this is actually kind of follow up from maybe six months ago. Uh, I'll send you a link to whatever the fuck Instagram calls their TikTok competitor. Do you remember one episode where we talked, I, I got an, I got a targeted Instagram ad. I think it's from home Depot where it was a laundry room that had a, like a dog shower. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It, in, in my, because, uh, Facebook and meta, uh, Facebook slash meta, uh, watches your every move. I got a target or this showed up in my explore page. And, Actually, I I dig this because you're getting to see like again if there was like a dog version of Fixer Upper, I'd be I'd be all over that. Um, and I'm assuming these place these people live in a place with extremely um, uh, low cost of living. But yeah, this 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 laundry room with with their custom dog bath is on point. It's it's very cool. Yeah, I'm I'm very impressed with 
people who can build things like this. Like something like this is way outside of what I'm capable of of building. So I a lot, a lot of respect for this. Well, can I ask? Would you ever? Would you ever be able to get permission? I'm like to just like try with the caveat that if it goes badly, you'll be like, okay, well, this was a stupid thousand dollar experiment, and let me get a pro to do it. Like, is is there a level of home renovation project that you'd actually be like, no, I'm just going to try it, and 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 if it doesn't go right, I mean, just we'll just you know demo day it and just uh, chalk it up to a learning experience. I think actually, yeah, that would be okay. I think the issue, the bigger issue these days is um, not a money thing so much, but a time thing where, you know, if I spend, say, I don't know, eight hours, like basically like a full day on something that ends up not working, then that really is just a huge, huge waste of time. Because that implies that I've, you know, not been helping with the kids for that amount of time. And, you well, know, but- so that, that just, that. If if something productive comes out of that, that's one thing. But mm-hmm. if nothing comes 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 of it, then that's not great. But I always thought, my, like my my cursory knowledge of children is you just you just put on a cocomel and and on repeat, and they can't <laughs> tell the difference. And literally, if you just put them in, oh man! So I I, I went to uh, in Pacifica. There was recently a dog surfing uh, Saturday event, and I encountered my first or. After you had told me what a pack and play is, yeah, uh, I saw my first one in the wild, and it, uh, there was there was a dog in it, and I was like, okay, mm. but yeah, I, I feel like you can just throw you can just throw an iPad in a pack and play, and you can probably get uh, get eight hours of content of just putting that on repeat. Maybe from, from the elder new housemate, absolutely. She's smart for that. She no oh. no she she will lock into the iPad, particularly Coco Melon for. Who knows how many hours um, she watched Coco Melon. It was at least three straight hours on the flight back from Hawaii last month. So yeah, who knows how long she'd go on that? But but a long time. The the um, younger new housemate he he's not quite old enough where he locks on TV. He'll he'll look at a Sesame Street or something for maybe five minutes but he he doesn't really lock That's, in quite yet that comes that comes a little bit later it's interesting that from an attention span perspective somebody younger is actually more discerning or possibly chaotic with their attention than that oh it's crafty that's interesting well they they reach yeah it's not until they reach i'm trying to remember i think it's probably around like a year and a half or so well, I'm sure it varies, you know, from kid to kid, but at least, <clears throat> at least with my daughter, she, when she was around a year and a half, I'd say is when she'd sit down and actually, you know, watch a 20 minute TV show from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Have you tried the West Wing on the younger? I mean, I, mean, I like, I feel like, I think like there's, there's, there's something, there's a way to wean yourself off of the, oh man, I, I don't know if we talked about it, but like. If, have you ever been in public where you will hear uh, parents that have given up where like you because Coco Melon has like, you know, it's it it just has a dist- kind of like the zoom artifacting like it, it has a distinct sound where you can tell these are a couple of parents that are at the end of the rope where you just hear like the, like this 
really not inspired song just coming out of some phone speakers and you're like oh i hope they're having a good day <laughs> do you ever hear coco melon in the wild and it's not for your child um or maybe you've just you yeah like as you just kind of tune it out yeah pro- i probably just tune it out to be honest yeah that's safer yeah. okay yeah. so we have two <laughs> what no just just a yeah, coco melon man it's it's not great kids love no it's well again i've i've told you so many times again not as a parent but as somebody who oddly there's enough overlap on my instagram of senior dogs and uh and parents with like one to four year olds uh you should uh, give bluey a try yeah we should it's so much it's so much better yeah we and you already bought yeah and you're already bought into the whatever the Disney Plus like Founders Club or whatever the fuck. Yeah, we should. Um, yeah, we should give that a try. Um, I, yeah. I'm I just do, glad. I that do they... think there are. I think there's Bluey. Uh, are they called Little People? What's What's the Little the Funko Pops for yep. kids? Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I, I'm just glad that they like Sesame Street because that actually I, I don't I don't mind watching that. Um, well, yeah, because because it, it touches upon your childhood, and it's also it's not. There's some artistry to Sesame Street, whereas there's not to Coco Melon. That's or that's, or the the other correct. crap. Yeah, that's right. What's the other one? It's not Bob the Builder. There's 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 one that's a step below. A step below Coco Melon? Oh, I'm th- no, I'm thinking of Paw Patrol. In terms of something that allegedly is good, maybe. I, yeah, I think Paw Patrol is the one that that sucks. I've never seen it, but no, I've not. That one's not come across my desk yet. Oh well, I think Paw Patrol and Peppa Pig are in the same same league. Yeah, we're yeah we're going through a bit of a Peppa Pig phase, which I don't love. But I did see a really uh, in in the mission. I saw a really sad Model Three with a pep, uh, a stuffed Peppa Pig kind of like uh, facing out, like kind of you know where the in the the little infotainment thing is. Yeah, yeah, right. it's kind of. It, it, again they've also probably given up so good for them uh, uh all right a couple couple a couple of tech follow-up things and then we'll get into main business because it's gonna be a quick show this uh this month this week um the slack app is broken again for me i i had a i had a long was run. it ever so we, was it ever not broken hush hush it actually it it was okay for a while because i've had this persistent bug for a decade <laughs> how long is slack, slack is in existence uh, where whether I'm using the standard one or if I'm using the beta builds of Slack on iOS and sometimes uh, sometimes on OS 10 as well, um, it will it'll have that fucking the phantom notification. No matter if you if you if you've read if you've looked at every thread, there are no app mentions. There's nothing. It will still have this fucking badge that says one. No matter what. How do you get How do you get rid of that? I, I have, oh, I, have I, that I currently. No, I had like nine months where. It it like after a year of it being broken, I had like nine months of it working perfectly. Because like the and actually, I think the notification issues I've had have resolved themselves. Because I did have a, a section uh, like a, a span of time where I just wouldn't get notifications. Like I guess like it thought either my laptop or my Mac Studio. Like it, I th- I guess it thought like some device was had the window at the forefront, even though it didn't. Where I just wasn't getting notifications for one of my workspaces for. A month but no now i i just have this permanent one badge on on slack for the past three weeks and it's driving me insane i've i've had that on my work slack for almost a year now 
where even if I don't have anything unread, I always have a little one badge next to it. And it, it's it's terrible. Like, like I, I, I can't tell if it would be worse to just turn off the badge and then me check Slack like once an hour or right now where sometimes I'll just like open my phone and I'll be like, oh, there's, there's something that I should look at. And then there isn't. And then I get mad. Yeah, I, I very upsetting. We we were talking about this right before we started as well. Like I, I don't get why the Slack app is so is so bad. Does it seems like it should be way better than it is? But well, but the oh things well. it's not even just it's not just like that. The iOS app is bad. Like uh, the same thing. Like I I will did that issue sometimes persists on the uh, OS ten Electron. Oh yeah, no the the thing. app like, the app is bad on all platforms. Yeah. It's very, I don't think the app weird. is bad, but it, but it's it's just that the the notifications and badging is bad. No, I, like I, the think, app itself, I think the app I, is I, bad. I don't have an issue. Like, yeah, when if you, if you're working foremost in the app, I think it's it's mostly fine. But yeah. <sighs> and then the only other bit of tech follow up is, oh, your MacBook Air. Oh, oh dear. So you <laughs> you made a mistake. So I was I was asking. So you're you're doing an outdoor pod because um. It's uh, like 25 degrees warmer where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you showed me, so we talked about your sidecar thing, which I've, I've never, again, like my, with my, the iPad is, is basically a thing that you do crosswords on and to do Spotify airplay. That's, that's all it exists for, for me. Uh, but you were, you've been using it for, uh, for this uh, sidecar thingy. But then I was wondering like, oh man, like it, do you have everything on your laptop, like super big in terms of font size or, is it like on a 15 inch laptop i was like no this this must be the macbook air but then i saw your dock and right well what do you th- what do you think i'm complaining about so so keep in mind that this macbook no, air no. is a, it could be your tertiary computer it, it, it's fine that does not excuse what's happening here so i'm trying to what are you most offended by um, what do you think what do you think bud um are you most offended by like Apple News. Ding, ding, ding. I, so, actually, you know, I'm not going to apologize for that because I, I actually, I think Apple News is, is fine. I mean, I know that there's you know, I, I, some my, concerns my, my, with like the business model and stuff, but like as an Apple One subscriber where it's, it's just included, I, I actually find Apple News to be pretty decent and I've, I've actually been checking it like it's part of like my daily news check in now in a way that it or I guess, didn't used I guess to be. Let, let me let me ask because my initial visceral visceral reaction to this was have you ever like and I guess like this is the thing maybe because like I follow a lot of like professional uh, photographers on Instagram and when they're posting a story and like you and you see their doc like they will when when you buy a new Mac um, in the doc there will be like Keynote pages notes Apple News Apple TV like they're they're like the stock apps like. The the fact that you had both Apple News and Apple TV in the dock is is so jarring. I, where it looks like you didn't actually like. You I, just, I am just kinda, like, um, I'm not going to remove them. I am just removing Apple TV from the dock now. I don't I don't know why I have that there. Just probably because it it came it's with there. the computer and I just didn't didn't bother um, ever removing it. Yeah, I mean this this is a computer that I mean this is the you know the eight gigabyte. 8 gigabytes of RAM, 256 gigabyte SSD MacBook Air that everybody was, you know, hating on a year ago when it came out. Like, but this computer is 
I think it's great, but it but it is just like my you know secondary machine. So I, I don't spend nearly the amount of time uh, curating it as you would say, as I do my my main laptop. Mm-hmm. And also, kind of this is just a personal preference thing. This actually is an uh, critique. I'm surprised that you don't uh, actually on any of your computers. Do you hide the dock? I don't. I probably I probably should though. Like on a, on a 13 inch laptop, I feel like you probably should or that that's taken up a lot of some valuable screen real estate on a on a small screen oh i actually i have another quick digression um <clears throat> for you which which you're either gonna think this makes no sense or you're gonna you're gonna get what i'm saying um so i for my main machine which is a um macbook pro i've got the and, the, and it's, it's the big boy I, 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 i've got the big boy 16 and I, and I love it it's great i well, actually, when I was in that um, Honolulu um, Apple Store last month, got to see the 15-inch MacBook Air for the first time in person. Mm-hmm. Too big. <laughs> I did, there's something about that MacBook Air form factor <laughs> where, and it was funny because walking into the store, I had this thought like, oh, I'll, I'll go check out the MacBook Air because I haven't seen the 15-inch before. And but for a split second, I thought like, well, the only risk here is that I'm going to be bummed that I, you know, bought the 13 inch last year, and now that the 15 inch is available, maybe I'll like that better and have you know buyer's remorse on the 13 inch. But but totally not the case. I don't. know. There's something something about the MacBook Air that I I guess I just associate with a smaller screen size. Where I just I I just think that the 15 inch it just it just looks weird on the MacBook Air. Just it looks too big. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I mean, I I think it's probably true, but also I think it, the MacBook Air like fits that weird role of just being such an absurdly good value that I kind of I I I, I don't I forget if it's uh, Mike or Jason or Dan or who, who's like kind of like has always been beating the drum of like you shouldn't have to step up to like a twenty eight hundred dollar or sixteen inch MacBook Pro to get a screen that's like two and a half inches bigger i get that but i kind of you you i i feel i I get your point where like maybe the macbook air has been around for a decade and just seeing it that much bigger probably just it doesn't doesn't look right it it doesn't look right and i actually noticed the same thing that everybody else kind of pointed out about it when it first came out which is like there's just all this like blank space around the keyboard whereas on the 13 inch that you know the keyboard basically is the size of the computer and then on the 15 inch, there's just all this space, like particularly around the the sides, where there's there's no speakers or anything like there is with the MacBook Pro, and it just I don't know, it just it just looks weird, which which is probably again like just like you said, I like do, we're, we're used I, to seeing the 13 inch size, but this is actually this is much more of like of a like an urban planning kind of like weird like nerdy talk. But have you have you seen a recent Honda Civic? I feel like I have. They're, they've got kind of like a kind of futuristic-y sort of vibe to them, right? I'll, well, I'll look well, one up now. Well, no, it's just that, do you remember like 20 years ago or like 10 years ago, the Honda Civic was like the tiny car. It's now the size of like all cars are getting, mm, like over yeah. the past 10 years, they've gotten to be the size of the car that used to be like one size up. Like a Civic looks like an Accord. Like yeah. Cars are getting huge, which is actually which is actually bad for society and cities. But um, no, that's that's kind of the same thing. Where like no, it just it looks too big for what it 
is. Yeah. Yeah, I I see I see what you're saying. Yeah, like it just what man, America needs to figure out how to deal with how, figure out small cars. Like there's there should be basically like the Mustang, like basically like my there should be my car, the Mustang Mach E and like tiny cars. Like the, the people don't need bigger. And I and I guess if you petition the government, you should be able to buy like a, a Volvo XC90 only if you have like four packet plays that you got to take places maybe. Yeah, but the XC90 is a bad car. Well, yeah, but that but pe- but people <laughs> wow, this, oh, this, how do I sanitize this? If you no. I think I think if you need a car that big, you don't deserve a fun car. Like that's, it just that's, like if That's fair. I mean, do you understand the the thrust of my point? I I do. Yeah. Also, I like when you when you Google XC90 because everybody's trying to pretend that their cars are greener than they actually are. Uh, because the XC90 has like just the world's like even if you buy the regular one, it is like so vaguely a hybrid based on how it's built. Uh, it's called a mild hybrid, which sounds really weird. It sounds like a Taco Bell hot sauce. <laughs> All right, what actual business do we have? Um, I think this is a oh, well, lot of a lot of you, right? Oh no. Okay. Well, let me let me blaze through a couple of things. I appreciate you working these into the thing because I yeah, forgot course, about all of, of these. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, just when you're driving around, have you noticed? Like, I used to CarPlay, and maybe this is the BMW. Like BMWs for a lot of like reasons, like the iDrive system sucks, and a lot of cars like it's really difficult to set up the thing. But when I'm driving around, I see like almost everybody is using CarPlay. Like, because it's, it's very identifiable where it feels like in the past two years, we've somehow looped around where either automakers have made it much easier to set up or everybody suddenly got wise and was like, oh, this is a good feature. But no, just when, when I'm driving around, people like just so many more now infotainment screens have been seeded to I, an iPhone or to a lesser, uh, lesser extent android auto and i just found that to be kind of interesting it's a really good observation and it it speaks to how crazy the gm thing is with not (laughs) providing carplay and android auto on future evs like it's not one of those things which which maybe it would have been a handful of years ago where you know it's just the t-word community getting outraged about something that they care about but that the general population is none the wiser about like that's not this at all. Like CarPlay is legitimately like a mass appeal feature that I mean I even like you know the the lady friend a year ago when we were looking to get a new car like she wanted CarPlay and she normally like she doesn't care about stuff like that and and having it now she loves it. So, mm-hmm. you know, like <laughs> the fact that they're saying nope, not going to offer that like is not just a nerdy or not not just a thing that like nerdy tech people are going to care about. That's something that legitimately a lot of people are going to care about. So it's totally bananas yeah. that they've that they're doing that. And I think I may have talked about this on a pre, uh, prior episode, but uh, CarPlay, the one like not secret weapon, but place where it's actually absurdly useful is in a rental car, mm-hmm. where not even just like oh god, I think I talked about when I visited Nashville and I. Um, rented the world's shittiest car the the it was like the the barest bones of the entry-level toyota rav4 where it didn't have navigation it just it just had like the 
terrible Bluetooth audio. It, it was the worst. But um, I forget where I oh no, it was San Diego where I had the 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 Bolt EUV or EV. Um, no, just being in a rental car. It's not just the matter of like being able to listen to your Taylor Swift or without like an aux cable. It's just like you get your navigate like it's it's so much easier and a better experience. Or I just yeah that that is just such a weird hill to die on, and I really hope it blows up in GM's face. Like it's it's, it's just <clears throat> me, so, me too. so bad. Yeah, me too. Um, maybe I've just gotten lucky. Um, but the last couple of rental cars that I've gotten, and and believe me, I'm not you know not getting the the premium tier rental car or anything. Um, have both have have both had um not just CarPlay but wireless CarPlay. And that you're right. I mean, that is tremendously useful to have in a in a rental car. Yeah. Um. What else? Okay. Two other things. Uh, were you the person that has been telling me to watch the movie Get Out forever? I, else? I am not. I was I was confused you, when this showed up in uh, okay. the things. I've I've have you not, have you ever watched that movie? No, I, I've never seen it, and I vaguely remember it just because i think it was like kind of a it was it was, it was the a popular movie for like 2017 yeah. or 2018 yeah. yeah it was fine i don't like horror movies it was fine i do feel a social co- social commentary and satire eh, not that it's aged badly but i don't think it's as relevant as it might have been at the moment or been as subversive or interesting but it was fine but it reminds me that i don't i don't i don't enjoy horror movies i i and it, and it, and it, really it's, don't it's, like it's, horror movies Similarly to this, the way that the XC90 is allegedly a mild hybrid, this is a mild horror movie, but it's still, yeah, I, I, I don't like uh, gratuitous violence uh, or being scared, generally. Yeah, I don't, don't, um, don't like either of those things. Yeah. Um, yeah, get out, get out. Not, not interested. Mm. Um, oh, very much unrelated, but it kind of just keeping with the entertainment beat for a second. Uh, what's his name? Paul Rudd. Say, uh, stop. Um, how dare you? Uh, actor Mark Margolis uh, passed away. Oh, who was yeah. uh, Hector Salamanca? Yeah, R.I.P. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I we we were talking about this on Slack. I'm I'm so glad that they ended up including his character in Better Call Saul and, and fleshing out mm-hmm. his backstory. That that was not something yeah. I expected going into the series. I mean, well, I mean. There was so much about that series that we didn't expect going into it, but um, you know, having having Hector's backstory filled out was 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 great. Uh, and then lastly, I uh, dusted off the sous vide machine for the first time in like a year, uh, and it's still a great way to cook. Uh, but the one uh, thing I I was bringing up is that. Uh, have you ever, you're, you're a blue barn regular, correct? Very much so. Yeah. Have you ever either had the skirt steak sandwich or they have uh, something that's very similar where that's worked into a salad? Have you ever had that? I haven't. Cause doesn't that, that has got something kind of blue cheese thing going on, right? I don't think it does. I thought the skirt steak sandwich had a, like a, like a blue cheese ranch thing or something. No, there's the Buffalo blue. Which I actually kind of like because the blue cheese, I hate blue cheese, but it comes on the side and you can dip it and and have very, 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 very little. But you have that kind of, what is, what's the flavor profile of blue cheese? It's bad. Gross, but yeah. Yeah. But it, but it has, um, like 
the the weird acidity and kind of like inverse tanginess. I don't know how you'd say yeah, it. Yeah, bad. But if, if you mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you have an an extremely tiny amount of it, it's actually kind of good. Um, but no, but that 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 sandwich is called the Buffalo Blue, and it actually is um, yeah quite good. But no, skirt steak sandwiches are great. Um, and I'd been meaning to try something like that at home. And uh, so, no, I did. So two things. So with the for, the former for the sous vide thing, I did a uh, New York strip steak and something else. And those both turned out well. I'm very happy. I only set off the fire alarm once because um, <laughs> you got to get the cat. You got to get the cast. That's the one part where uh, I feel like uh, in an apartment building, it's it's very fraught in a house where you can probably just like open up all the doors and windows it's probably more manageable but um no you because you, you gotta get the, uh, the cast iron pan real real hot uh to get the the perfect sear on it but nope sous vide still uh still slaps uh but no skirt steak sandwich it is a if you just get like nice thin skirt steak from the berkeley bowl or whole foods uh you can cook that up in like six minutes like three minutes on either side you just rub a little olive oil into it, and you can make like a full-on complete meal in in record time. I totally forgot that that type of that cut of meat is so easy to prepare, just on like a kitchen stove. Uh, yeah, just want to raise awareness for it, and it's uh, it's a delight. Yeah, real real time uh, follow up for me. The um, skirt steak sandwich at Blue Barn uh, does not come with anything with blue cheese, and instead comes with a. Um, what is this here? A rosemary garlic aioli. Yeah, that sounds fucking great. Yeah, yeah. I'm, okay, I'll I'll have to. I'm I'm very much guilty of always getting the same thing at Blue Barn. I'll, I'll maybe branch out and and give that a try. And I think I've impressed. I I kind of like beat this into you, but when you get Blue Barn, you're always ordering one to two orders of fries, right? Oh, I mean, <clears throat> without without question, it's it's only a matter of do we get one or two. Okay, we we've we've talked about my critique of. Well, never mind. You, you don't still let your kids eat sweet potato fries, do you? Um, do, they're not as think, there's not they're not as into those. Cause I, cause, okay, good because I I do think that's in certain states child abuse. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Let's, yeah. The the, th- the lady friend also not a big uh, sweet potato fan. So I'm a uh, yeah. Because similar just as unhealth- similar to my pineapple on pizza. I'm I'm the odd man out there. Here's the thing. I've actually, I, I always like the whole pineapple and pizza thing is, it's like, it's a dumb, uh, like societal thing, like where it's, it actually doesn't matter. And so pineapple and pizza is actually, again, if it's, if you have good, like a quality ham and you have some source of like spice, it's actually not bad. It's just one of those things that people just make jokes about where sweet potato fries are objectively bad and, um, <laughs> harmful to society. I, that's, I don't know. Because the thing is that people tried, I, it, it's like the thing where like every six years eggs are bad for you, except they're good for you, but then they're bad for you. Right. The, the yeah. sweet potato lobby tried to convince people that sweet potatoes were less unhealthy and they're just as bad. They just lack all the flavor. And, that, and that's disingenuous. Okay. <laughs> um, so I think we only have, we have, we have just like one gigantic ass topic this week, which, which is just kind of the... Well, so there's been a lot of entertainment industry the, business news slash with 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 a, a slight tech angle, and the two biggest stories are one I think just everything Disney, which kind of branched off from a uh, 
I can't tell if it was unexpectedly or unintentionally revealing interview uh, with Bob Iger and Sun Valley on CNBC, or if it was intentionally, he just wanted to be like, let's just rip off the bandaid and start all these uncomfortable conversations now and just fuck it. And then the other bit is going to be the collapse of the Pac-12. And I know, I know very little of the sports thing, but I do now know a decent amount about the business side of it. So let's start with Disney and then you just kind of, I'll let you go from there. Yeah, I I was going to say this is the we told you segment (laughs) of Mm -hmm. of the streaming stuff well i feel like we were we were early on maybe not maybe not so much well how there's the economics weren't going to work for the media companies but very much there's two yeah yeah, there's two there's two legs of this stool or or, you know i mean two 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 legged stool yeah yeah no (sighs) what's the the pottery barn thing the two two two-legged stool seems like it would be Costs like seven hundred dollars. No, you think the restoration hardware forty dollars <laughs> hamburger? Fair, fair point. Um. Oh, anyway, uh, but the, what I, was I've, the I've thing? been there. Have you? Fuck no. Um. And also, there's one uh in in my neck of the woods. No, so I know. I know. Do- yeah. Oh. Oh. oh you yeah. Were, you want to talk about the moon? Um, was well, actually in uh, um the the two areas that you're most in frequently. You're you're alarmingly <laughs> close to. Uh, restoration Correct. hardware restaurants and the but the thing with like so the dog patch is an underrated neighborhood of san francisco it again it, it fantastic um and it's and it's generally always sunny it's great um but uh please for the love of god one don't ever buy a seven thousand dollar chaise lounge or whatever uh unless i mean if, you, if you're that rich go 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 shop at design within reach or something um but like no, you're super close to both Longbridge Pizza and Suvla. Like just go go get some actual good food rather than eating at eating at a furniture store is just I pr- I promise this is gonna be a positive episode, but but it's just, it's just so silly to me where that I, I no. No. Like eating at IKEA oh actually no. E- eating at IKEA is fine. Eating a forty dollar hamburger at a furniture store for rich people is a bridge too far. Is that really what the hamburger is there? Like 40 yes. bucks? Wow, man. Yes. Like, because there's always the thing where, like, Nordstrom had, like, a semi-upscale, like, cafe or restaurant, and I'm fine with that. But, like, if if Michael Mina wants to go and do a partnership with West Elm or something, like, it just, like, just, just no, stop it. Just be, Well, be I, a- I was thinking even at the Michael Mina restaurant in uh, Tiburon that I went to earlier this year, I, I had the, the hamburger... And even there, I think the burger was, you know, in air quotes, only like $30. It's like $40 for a burger. Man, that's, hmm, it's a lot. I Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm not entirely, I, I think it's definitely at least in the 30s. I, it, mm. yeah, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, but I've never been. Um, so yeah, so the, but no, the other, the, where, where's the, the link? There was one story... Because I, I, I want to actually give credit. There was um, there's a story in the Financial Times, and I don't actually know if it made the show's thing. The the the, but, F, the FT, I think you're uh, thinking of. Yeah, and I am out of uh, free stories apparently, and I'm not. <laughs> I, I subscribe to almost everything. But oh I'm yeah, not we uh, the I put that. Times. Um, yeah, I I put that in the thing. Thanks for thanks for reading it in advance. It's, well, no, uh, but you do the th- it, it's no, up but above. You, no, you do the thing where you actually like put like uh, 
like a description of what it is. So I mean, no, no I, I I literally copied the the link name in the streaming no, no, but it, stuff section. But it, it it obscures the URL where I can't see which one is which. Oh, because Google because Google Docs only sometimes does the thing where you hover over or you click on it and it sh- expands the thing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I don't know who did the research on it, but apparently the like uh, the I think they called it a basket of streaming services. Like the, the the leading streaming services, uh, if you subscribe to like the top five, now costs you like nine dollars more than the average cable bill mm-hmm. does, and it's mm-hmm. just, uh, yeah. In terms of we told you so for literally a decade, uh, yeah, it it rebundled itself. Everything got fragmented, and now it costs you more. So that oh did sorry real quick did we um what's his name John Skipper. Uh, the, oh, the ESPN guy? Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I don't think we ever talked about it, but I put, uh, he had an interview with Peter Kafka uh, recently, and he had, a like, a fun quote. I don't know if he's actually any good or if he, because apparently he got pushed out of the network, right? I I think that's right, yeah. Like, I, I don't have any knowledge about any of that kind of stuff, but he did have a really fun, uh, like, 90-second, like, just going off the rails thing where he... I think literally said if you like if you fuckers had just kept paying your ESPN bill and just were happy that we paid for everything you'd be watching all those sports for free. Like it was very like honest and yeah, people people got too picky and too choosy and now now things aren't breaking the way people wanted them to and now oh all of a sudden oh no, we can't share our passwords and things actually cost money. Yeah, that's so you you um what's what's the expression? You bit the hand that fed you whatever. It's 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 fun. The um, it's probably probably an article probably isn't enough. It's probably maybe even like a book. I, I'm I'm so interested to hear like retrospective analysis on what these media companies were thinking about when they were all starting their own streaming services and wanted to be, you know, their own version of Netflix. Like there there had to be people because I mean you know. We we can you know bag on these companies all we want, but in in reality, there's there's a lot of really smart people that work at you know Disney and Warner Discovery and Paramount and all all these companies. There's a lot of really smart people. There there had to be people that like raised their hand, you know, four or five years ago when all this was was you know getting going, saying like, hey, like by the way, like the economics like just kind of don't work here. Like, is anybody concerned about that? I, I would well, I would love to to hear the inside story about what some of those well, conversations were like. And like, well, I, I have an answer for that, and, and I and I don't, I'm probably stealing this from somebody else, but like, this this was the. It's like the same reason why like WeWork failed. There there are so many companies. So if you think about like 2015 to 2021 in the technology space, there are so many companies that just amassed so much money and and like sky high valuations. Because we reached this weird point where people are trying to pretend everything was a tech company. It's the same reason why people thought WeWork was a tech company. No, it's it, it's it was a real estate company that uh, was also kind of sketchy and had an app. Like that. That's why everybody thought that hey, we can all be Netflix. And the in terms of you saying that like everybody that there are a lot of smart people who why didn't anybody say no? It's because the idea itself is not inherently that dumb. It's just that eight people eight different companies tried to be that same thing and there's no way that the economy at large could bear it because everybody was like hey we're gonna we're gonna do a netflix we're gonna overpay for content we're just gonna is this a sports term flood the zone 
maybe something but yep. Yep. Let, like you're just gonna you're gonna just make so like you're gonna have a low introductory price you're gonna throw money at content creators to just get to get your slice of the golden age of tv and you're gonna have all this stuff and there can't just be one netflix so obviously let's be number two or let's be number three but then all of a sudden eight companies went whole hog on that idea and now there's just too much content too much fragmented attention the pandemic happened and all of a sudden interest rates are rising and now oh shit stuff has to make money and now that's why we are where we are so it's not entirely a dumb idea it's just that there's too many people attempting the exact same thing and when that happens nobody wins except netflix because i again we'll go back to like nine months ago when netflix lost like subscribers for the first time ever and everybody lost their shit and now netflix is entirely fine and the fact that Netflix uh, cracked down on password sharing and everybody was like, oh, well, I'm canceling and I'm, I'm, I'm mad and they're, they're, they're evil. And no, it, it, it worked out fine for them. They gained like 9 million subs from doing that. And now Disney, a, a good old friend, Bob Iger, he's saying, oh, yeah, work for Netflix. Let's do the same thing right now. And he, yeah, it's, it's, it's entirely fine. Well, and Netflix is also super smart where not only have they built up their their own content to kind of guard themselves against the fact that all these media companies were going to you know take their ball and and go home mm-hmm. and but now <laughs> those same companies actually oh, are realizing yeah. well actually you know it it actually that licensing money was great yeah <laughs> and so N- netflix is like sure yeah you know we'll 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 buy your stuff um yeah, yeah i'm netflix... i'm not i'm not going to do it justice but um on a recent episode of Downstream, which I don't think you listen to, right? Um, no, but I always mean to because apparently it's great. <laughs> it, it it is really fantastic, and I'll um I'll, I'll have to do the overcast clip thing and try to send this to you. But um, Jason had this really really good analogy where he and I, again I'm not I'm not going to do it total justice here, but he he was saying that. You know, Netflix is basically like a like a department store or like a Target, and all of these streaming services like Disney Plus, Paramount Plus, Max, etc., are like outlet stores. Where, like, if you're Nike, you know, it makes sense to have stores that only have your products, and you know, maybe you have exclusive stuff there. And, you know, you're, you're really diehard fans, you know, they, they seek that stuff out and, and come to your outlet stores, but also a lot of people just want to go to Target or they just want to go to Macy's or Walmart or like whatever and, you know, shop around and, you know, have different brands to choose from, et cetera. And, you know, as they're going through a, a Target or whatever, you know, maybe they were coming for one thing and they, they saw your thing. And so they got interested in that. Like they're, they're kind of window shopping as they're going along. And that, that's basically like what Netflix is for content, where people stumble across stuff that they, you know, weren't initially interested in. It's a place where you can find lots of different stuff. Whereas like something like Disney Plus is, you know, great for the people who are diehard Disney fans. It's, it's, it's like the Disney outlet, but it also probably serves Disney and Paramount and everybody else to also be available on services that are more kind of general purpose or general audience. I, I thought that was a, a really smart take. 
I, I, I agree mostly with it, but I, but I would actually take, I would take issue and say, it's not that they're outlet stores. It's that they're stores that are like vanity projects or like that, that are just like, it's not like, cause, uh, cause when you say outlet stores, I'm thinking of like well, the vintage Oak small where they're like, there's a banana, like there's a banana public. Well, fact. yeah, like, not, I, I not, not more... outlet, not let, not outlet in the discount sense, but outlet in the sense that like this store has one brand and that's it. Yeah. Like, like it's it's a thing like where you don't need like I hear like it's like the Disney Plus or sorry Paramount Plus is like the Cole Haan store. I enjoy their overpriced shoes like they're like they're they're comfy, but I you don't need a store just for that. You get your stuff sold in Nordstrom or you, you right you, you, like exactly you yeah. you don't need to be your own thing. But people like the, the opinion in the media space was that they got so high minded about well our content is prestige content and then this is stuff that only we need or that like that that is so important and we it is not worth uh going we don't want to have our um top of the line premiere series in a sea of thumbnails against competing against 500 other things on netflix because they're not they're not uh valuing our uh intellectual property properly but then like again other than a stoke a show called yellowstone what even is on Paramount Plus? I, in it, even less than Peacock, I have no idea why that service exists. Like Disney Plus, I get it. I still think Disney Plus is kind of, I, well, well actually, we'll, we'll get to it. But I, I, when Disney Plus flails, I just get so happy because it's creating so much unnecessary content. And I mean mostly that in terms of like Star Wars and sci-fi stuff. Like they again, they flooded the zone and spent a bunch of money on a bunch of stuff that people like well enough. But if they had done, if they had output one fourth what they did, I think people would be equally as happy. Like the fact that there is there like because every time I come from Berkeley over to back to the city, there's there's one billboard that in uh that you see. Uh, re-entering San Francisco from the Bay Bridge that I think Disney just has like a hundred year lease on. Is there a new show called like something Shoka? Uh, Ahsoka. Yeah, that that uh, comes out a week from tomorrow. Yeah. Is that yet another Star Wars show? Mm-hmm. Yep. Why? Well, it, it's um, yeah, it, it is a different show. It, it's it's sort of in the like the the Mandalorian universe, but but yeah, but that's it, a universe that didn't exist. Like it's just. Yeah, the same thing. There's 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 something called Andor. There was something called The Tales of Boba Fett or some shit. Like th- there's so much stuff that they did not need to make, and now all of a sudden everybody's like, "Oh, you're not paying your writers." Oh, also we don't have any money. And like, I, it, it, this is a situation that that is not a surprise. Like you just didn't need to make all this stuff. Like every well that, yeah, that that's I, I, Netflix, Netflix looks so smart right now, and everybody wants every. Everybody wants to hate on Netflix for not being focused and just being kind of a lowest, not lowest common denominator, but just having something for everybody. And my only, like Netflix, I should probably don't use it that much, but it's a service I'm never going to cancel because there's always something on it. And my only knock against them is that they, whenever they do make something, it's like the marquee thumbnail on the homepage for like nine hours and then it's gone. And then it's just kind of buried into the sea of everything else. But no, Netflix is great. But everybody else, like, is just what are you even doing? Yeah. The, well, the 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 sort of like the point of Jason making the analogy that he did was actually like 
it probably makes sense that that we're going to have a world where media companies don't just sell all their stuff to Netflix or alternatively don't just hoard everything for themselves and have everything exclusive to their service. Like it it probably makes sense for Disney and Paramount and Warner Brothers Discovery to have some combination of the two where you you have some of your maybe top tier content that your diehard fans are going to be interested in. You have that exclusive to your specific streaming service. But then you've got some other, you know, general audience stuff that, you know, maybe you have on your service as well, but you also license it out to either Netflix or one of these fast services. And that that and that's probably gonna actually be the the answer in the long term. Quick clarifying question. What's a fast service? A free ad supported um Oh, what, like what, like what, a tubi. Tubes for what is what's the what is the acronym? Free ad supported television. That's what it is. So I think there's something called like Amazon Freebie. Yeah, I've heard of Tubi. Yeah, so th- those are those are okay. two of the big fast. Um, Have you ever used either? Um, well, I haven't used those two. I've used um, the Roku channel because they. They bought the rights to the Great American Baking Show, um, which the lady friend and I got into um, this year. Well, th- this year was the first What's, season that Roku produced. Um, just twenty seconds on that. Is it good, or in what way do they Americanize it? I feel so like it's it would only get worse. it's really good. So what what it is, or at least well, there's been different iterations of it over the years apparently but the the most recent iteration which is what roku bought the rights to is they fly a group of americans out to the uk and they have them go on the same set as the great british baking show and it's it's the same production crew it's the same it's paul hollywood it's the same judges and everything hmm. and so it's it's just it's the same show but it's americans instead of you know, Brits. And it's probably less endearing slavery. <laughs> <laughs> Americans, uh, uh, yeah, less, less likable. <laughs> I feel like there's very, uh, Americans aren't big on humility. Is that a, um, um telling well, tales I, out of I, school? Would, I would say that, the, um, this, this group of folks who was on the show, um, in this most recent season was generally, uh, pretty likable. I feel like it, on the British one, like you're not going to get somebody who's going to talk about their gram and and how they like how, the importance of like biscuits and tea. Like I feel like I, there's, I don't, I've never, I didn't watch the Great British Bake Off, um, which oddly is called the Great British Baking Show when it was re uh, relicensed to Netflix. But it's it's always just so wholesome and endearing, and I feel like I'll, maybe I've just watched too much Food Network, um, and just American reality TV in general. I feel like we wouldn't be as likable but okay but i so it's sorry it's called the great american bake-off what is it uh the great american baking show because that that's what it's called in in the u.s there have been five seasons oh well, yeah cause like because like i said the um which one which one's good or which which is do you have do you have a season that you recommend well the the, mo- the most recent one which is the roku one is good but there there have been previous seasons of it that i think were like on abc or something um where Paul Hollywood was involved, I think, but it but it it was a 
different format maybe like it, it wasn't literally just the the british show but with you know american contestants like the most recent season was um which i i haven't seen any of those it, it's only the most recent season which is just again a clone of the of the great british baking show um that i've seen huh i can't tell if this is native advertising or not because usually i i trust eater in a lot of senses but I, I up until this conversation, so the the lead is uh, today. The Great American Baking Show is set to make its triumphant comeback to the Roku channel, and just unironically, I have until you told me about this, I didn't know. Ro- can I access Roku channel on an Apple TV? Uh you can because you can access it from your phone and AirPlay it to your Apple TV, which is how um, I am not doing. That. Um, so I can't watch this unless I find it falling off a truck. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. That, huh? That that's that's a bummer. Hmm. I know. I mean, we I, wait, we we watch. got a Roku. We watch some of the episodes on one on our you know Roku TV, but um, we all we watch some other episodes doing the the AirPlay thing from a phone, and that that was fine. The 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 most annoying um, thing about it is that the Roku channel is a you know a fast service with no paid ad free option and. The ad load was not not great. Wait, meaning there were a lot of ads and they were very repetitive. Oh, got it. Oh, like in the early days of streaming, where you just have like one ad from like you you see an ad for like the Lincoln Aviator, yeah, eight times in a single episode. Right. So I put a link in the show notes. Apparently, you can watch it in a browser. Oh, okay. um, As though it's um like a Tubi show. Okay. Is the dumb dumb question like are there web browsers on the Apple TV? No. There's not, right? So that so that doesn't But do you can't, you, can't do you can't da- you can't download like Firefox in the App Store. Yeah, so so what is what does it being in a browser do for you? That doesn't help. Oh no, I just literally didn't know if I would have to like watch it like in an iOS app on my phone and like AirPlay it or Yeah, I'm for, I'm not going to watch this. I'm 3 seasons behind on Top Chef. And I've recently gotten back into that, so I'll just, I'll just keep doing that. Yeah, Top top Chef is great. Okay, anyway, so I guess, do you, how, how do you, so what's what's the state of play for Disney right now? Like, what 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 has changed since two months ago? Can you just break down, th- down that real quick? Um... Geez, that's a kind of a loaded question. Um, I mean, I, I guess there there's two there's two big parts to it, right? There's the linear TV side, and then there's the Disney Plus side. Is is that kind of a a fair way to start? You think? Yeah, yeah. So with the linear TV side, they're in this weird position with ESPN. I mean, when, when you think about Disney and linear TV, I mean, yes, they have. ABC and FX and and some other stuff, but like ESPN is really the the main thing you're talking about there. And you know, ESPN remains a wildly profitable part of their business, but it is a rapidly declining part of their business. So, you know, you you know, rewind in history it was, you know, the the money that ESPN was throwing off that allowed Disney to do things like buy the rights to Marvel and Star Wars and you know everything else they've they've done. It's been kind of the the cash cow of the company. And now that 
you know, the the cable bundle and, and the number of cable subscribers is rapidly declining, that's directly impacting ESPN. So, you know, Disney's got this really big decision that they're going to have to make where, you know, ESPN inevitably is going to have to go streaming at at some point. And, you know, there, there's been things like ESPN Plus, but that's that's not ESPN proper. That's a bunch of sort of ancillary content. At some point, ESPN's got to go, you know, streaming proper or over the top proper. But it's it's going to be this really, you know, delicate balancing act where that's really then going to, you know, kind of put the the linear side of things on a on a downward slope. And they've got all these existing contracts with, you know, basically all of the major sports leagues that they're going to have to sort of figure out. Um, and that's, you know, it's kind of all led to Iger's most recent comments where they're now thinking about a strategic partner to to work with them on ESPN. And there's, you know, there's been a ton of reporting that's come out since then that's, you know, speculated on everything from, well, Apple to, um, you know, the NBA and NFL, you know, like the leagues directly. It's, you know, it's been kind of all all over the place. But the the future of ESPN looms large at disney is that all so to, the, the linear stuff yeah so to to clarify so let's let's just say ES, espn for for a minute um so two clarifying questions or, or comments i suppose so there was also another and i don't think this actually made it in the show notes but um there was a study that in terms of like watch hours for the first time ever um linear tv has dropped below 50 percent of total viewing time in american households and that compounded with the uh rapid increase in cord cutting like the way that the economics of espn have always worked is it was one of the channels that you could not not have like as as an mso or a cable cable television provider you you need cnn you need espn and you you in like you need the locals like those were what were important to you to get people to sign up, and that meant that ESPN could command an absurdly high price per subscriber, whether or not you wanted the channel. And I think most recently it's between like nine and ten dollars a month per household goes to cover the cost of ESPN. So for Disney, their specific issue is that as cord cutting accelerates, the one they have less of a leg to stand on in terms of the importance of their channel as an anchor product in the cable bundle. And because number of subs are dropping, they're making less money from that. So it hits them twice. So when that comes hand in hand with the idea of enlisting or engaging a strategic partner, I guess I don't understand what the strategic partner gets. Because the like, there's no way the NFL needs to do this, right? Well, it, it's it's. Um, I mean, not to go off on a tangent, I, th- I think this does answer your question. Like sports rights, which is really what you know what we're talking about with ESPN, is kind of a weird thing, at least here in the United States, where I, I and I feel like maybe this gets missed sometimes. Some I think some people point this out, but there's the NFL and there's everybody else. Well, well, actually, I maybe a little more broad than that. There's the NFL and and there's college football, and then there's everything else. 
because those are the top two sports in the United States by, you know, miles. Um, and so I think the the dynamics and the economics around, you know, American football are going to be a little different than all of the other leagues. So I think, I think it's helpful. Like maybe they take the NBA for example, right? Like if you're the NBA, it doesn't serve your interest to, you know, have ESPN like collapse, right? Like you, you want ESPN to continue to be a household brand. You want your games to continue having a broad reach like they've received historically on ESPN. And so, you know, it, it, it sort of, it, it might end up serving like the NBA or the NHL or MLB to, to work with Disney to, to kind of figure out a way to make this work going forward. Cause I, I think the other like really big challenge for streaming and sports is that we're not, we're not at the point where, and it actually, you know, this gets a little bit into the PAC 12 stuff too. Like we're, we're not at the point where streaming is ubiquitous, right? Like it, it's becoming way more popular. More and more people are watching TV over you know their internet connection every day but there still are tons and tons and tons of people who are not doing that and so if you're the nba or if you're mlb or you're the nhl you you know you really have to think about your your reach and it 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 is still a little bit of a risk. I mean we've we've even seen this with like the NFL which you know you you th- would think would almost be immune to this but like you know the the Thursday night football ratings which were exclusively on Amazon this last year were way way down compared to when those games were available on um network and even cable TV. Like so streaming is still just not it's it's just not as accessible as, you know, a, a, you know, cable connection is. So, you know, again, like I, the, the point here is I think these, these leagues kind of have to find, or it serves their interest to find a way to work with ESPN through the, through the transition that they're going through. That, that, that makes sense, but I just, I can't pencil out how that works because unless it ends up being, because like how many people actually get involved? Because I because I can't see because I've always just as an outsider always it felt like the um like ABC and ESPN always had like a um like an outsized or like a, like a really cozy relationship with the NBA um where they that feels like a much more vital and core part of the product than say like ESPN has always famously like had like they they always gave like baseball like pretty short shrift like both in terms of like they canceled baseball tonight the announcers on uh like saturday night baseball like or whatever it is like have always been like pretty crappy but the nba has always seemed like it, it it was a fixture of espn and you you do have um like pers- i know they just laid off some people you but you have doris burke you have a whole bunch of other people like who are like quintessentially identified with both basketball and abc and espn so like that kind of makes sense but then doesn't that i guess i i can't imagine why the nba wouldn't put that same level of effort 
into like enhancing NBA TV or NBA network or like their NBA league pass service on top of that. Because like they're not going to suddenly transform ESPN into being primarily an NBA broadcast channel, right? I guess like with the leagues being the ones in concert to actually make that happen and provide that backstop funding and maybe like I just I don't see how that necessarily benefits them other than just making sure eyeballs stay on the product. But ultimately, they want to maximize what they're getting paid for the ability to license that content. So I, yeah, that's the part that doesn't necessarily make sense to me. Well, I mean, I think what all of this boils down to is 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 the economics of it like getting used the phrase like penciling out like like you're right it it basically doesn't like the the amount of money again putting the nfl and college football aside like the amount of money coming to the leagues just isn't going to add up to what it used to be on on the cable bundle and that's 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 the whole problem with with everything in streaming right now is is everybody's realizing like oh no wait like the kind of socialistic tv bundle that we've had for the last you know 40 years actually kind of worked out for everybody i mean well <laughs> it, well not maybe not everybody but at oh. least like the, the the major players like it it all worked out really well for them and I never knew you'd come out as anti-capitalist okay. <laughs> um and actually you know maybe worked out pretty well for consumers too um and you know, particularly with sports, everybody's realizing now, like, oh shoot, like if we try to do a kind of direct to consumer thing, we're like, we're just we're not going to get enough people to sign up for that. Like, we 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 have enough casual fans who historically have paid for a TV bundle, and they'll they'll you know that that worked. But if if all we're doing is basically appealing to our like diehard fans who are going to be willing to go through the effort and spend the money to sign up for our direct service there's just not enough of those people and so you know that that's where i think like things like the what the um have you followed like what the phoenix suns and i think it's the utah jazz are doing because they they've they've they're both caught up in the like the bally stuff where they're the local their local RSN has gone you know you know belly up in the last few months and so starting next season they're both going to have this this interesting model where all of their local games are going to be available on just like you know <clears throat> um like regular old you know TV like a, a broadcast channel locally and then they're mm-hmm. also going to offer a streaming service as well so you're going to have you know your general audience reach through that that um that broadcast option you're going to have you know advertising revenue there you're going to have then your streaming option for people who have you know cut the cord and who don't want to deal with setting up a TV antenna or something and then you know you'll get you'll get money that way it probably still doesn't add up to the money that you know they were getting from RSNs historically but it but it is an interesting alternative right it's at least like an interesting starting point for what comes next after the the tv bundle and and rsns and all that yeah it's gonna be it's 
because when you mentioned that that brings up like the um like that weird stopgap deal that the Padres had whenever like when after the Diamond Splits bankruptcy where there's like now this like extremely weird siloed MLB.tv product which is like $10 a month that's literally just Padres games like it's going to be a weird time because like I don't know how the deals specifically work but like sp- uh, <laughs> kind of like ha- like like US single family housing like sports rights were kind of the only thing that some that felt like a safe economic investment that was just like a straight like up and to the right type situation whereas every single time there'd be like the next round of renewals on this episode like it was just like that that was the one thing that media companies and broadcasters thought this is the, the this is the final remaining product that gets live eyeballs and is is critical to our success so the money just kept going up and up and up and now with this new reality, everybody's having to figure out that, oh, actually, the, if you if if you actually have to sell directly to individual people, one, there's not as many customers as you thought. And also people are not willing to pay what the product actually costs when you do break it out by the number of addressable subs at that new market reality. It's, yeah. Yep. But yeah, but, like, but ESPN was like this weird, like it was, it was just kind of, it was an anomaly for like 20 years where like yeah it it was it was unstoppable but now like yeah like there's there's just not you know the damn burst when stream became for general purpose entertainment so easy to not have cable that now the sports um the sports chickens are coming home to roost or whatever <laughs> yeah it's um you know, not a very original thought, I don't think, but it, it it's a very transitional period for for all for all this stuff for both you know like TV and movies, and then also live sports. Like everybody's figuring out what the new what the new model is going to be because the existing models for all that stuff are collapsing, partly because of you know their own doing, and everybody's going to have to figure out what's what's next and and what they've been doing the last few years is not sustainable and so you know they're going to have to figure out you know what what is sustainable and what what can maybe bring in somewhat similar revenue that the the cable bundle has has historically brought in and and that's going to be a a tough thing to figure out that's going to you know take take some time Um, and then on the, on the other linear side, so ABC, like just all all the cable, like, so ABC proper is probably the most identifiable one, but also they have uh free form, which used to be called ABC family. And they've, they've got, they've got a whole host of other cable networks. And basically it looks like those might get packaged up and sold to private equity. Like just nobody, Iger and, and the Disney leadership don't see those as critical to the company going forward which is probably true um yeah so that's that's something that probably would not have been top of mind five years ago but now is what it is yeah probably probably true if you're thinking long term but man like cutting off your linear business today does feel like a very a very aggressive move again probably the right one if you've got a medium to long-term view but but yeah i mean that's that's a that's a big shift to 
make today. Yeah. Um. So then, then the I mean, the other side of it then is the, is the Disney Plus thing, which I know you uh, know you're you're going to be delighted love, to to talk about it. here. Um, love it. Which is you know the the kind of continuing price increases that that we've seen there. I mean, you well, you but, I mean but, you were but, go ahead. Well, no. So again, uh, enemy of the show, Bob Iger uh, said he sees a lot of pricing and elasticity available for uh for the addressable market and that there there's still there's still room to to right size the cost of the product and and i th- i think he's uh, it i my my point for the past like 4 years is that when disney plus came out it was priced in a predatory way where it allegedly, and I actually didn't believe this, but some people did, that it had the same value in terms of content catalog and importance and cachet as a Netflix. But that they were the, but Bob Chapek executing on a plan that Bob Iger put in place that he now wants to distance himself from and pretend he didn't actually do, priced a product for half of what it was actually allegedly worth, and now every six months, Iger and company are just jacking up the price of the product by like thirty three percent. And because they feel that they can, and they're going to find out and are currently finding out that actually they probably can't because the whole thing is they're now, they're slowing down the pace of content creation and also jacking up the price. And the reason people are kind of over it and feel they can cancel it is because they just keep remaking the same shit over and over again. Like even beyond the Disney plus thing, the whole this is a topic for another show, but we were in this weird spot where like the current state of what Disney is in, does that not feel like unfathomable like three or five years ago? Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a company that's on top. Like it's, it feels like they're thinking of selling it off for parts and that honestly, if they could sell Mickey Mouse's like the like, I don't know. Like it's it's just weird where well, Disney used to be untouchable, I, and now you now have the guy being like, oh, you know, ABC. I'm not sure we really need that. Um, I I think well, yeah. I mean, you. I think you you probably know all this way better than I do, being our local economist, but. I, I think a lot of the, the thinking with with Disney and, and particularly like Warner Brothers Discovery has changed with with increasing interest rates and, and the debt loads that these companies are carrying. Where for well, you know the last decade plus, they haven't really had to worry about debt because you know money's been, money's basically been free. But now that it's not, there's a you know huge shift towards you know paying down debts, managing debt, and so that's changed the kind of strategic you know thinking of these companies and that, that's well, a big sure, part of but, it but, with but, disney right but, but yeah but maybe you didn't need to buy all this crap from 20th century fox and you didn't need to make six versions of the same star wars show at an inflated cost like these are things that didn't have to happen well yeah I mean, and that, like, that, I mean, that that goes i mean that goes back to kind of my original point with the streaming stuff which is like i i'm so interested to read the stuff five, 10 years from now where there's the story of people who were, were raising their hands early on in this stuff, like going, Hey, like 
the 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 num like the numbers and the strategy just like don't don't add up here. Like this this like I think you said this earlier. Like this this is a vanity project, sure, but like if we're actually doing this to like make money and have it be a strategically sound thing that we should do, like it's 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 not. <sighs> yeah. But but it, it, again, in general, like Dis- Disney Plus is shedding subscribers, and yes, I know from last quarter it was mostly because there was some there's some deal in India that expired where like Disney Plus also meant that by subscribing to that you got access to like one of the major cricket leagues or something. There's a reason why um, uh, Asia Pacific and India are led to most of those sub losses, but like they're gonna find out that. If you create less, I still feel like Disney Plus is a dramatically undifferentiated and undiversified streaming service where, again, as somebody who, like, I I get, and this is also another complicated economic reality in the U.S., I get Disney Plus for free through my phone plan, which is, that's where a lot of Disney's subscribers come from, which is also awkward due to a partnership that they have with a major phone carrier. but like. I don't ever open Disney Plus. Like I watch Inside Out, my one of my favorite movies, like once every six months. But there is nothing on that service for me. I don't ima- I don't know what anybody who doesn't care about Star Wars or sci-fi opens Disney Plus for, unless you have a kid. Like I watched Hamilton on it once, and I occasionally watch some some Pixar movies. There is nothing on it for me. So when they think that they can price it like a Netflix and that suddenly the fact that they overspent on this prestige sci-fi content, I don't feel sorry about it. I just, I don't know what the everyday person is actually getting from Disney plus. And I do think they have to eventually square that because right now, sure. So you have, so Disney plus has three offerings. They've got Disney plus Hulu and ESPN plus. And then you can also pay, I think, between 19 and like $22 a month and get the Disney bundle. So sure, if you expand the scope of it to that, you also can get more adult, not in that sense of the word, but more like diverse content through Hulu, thinking about it more like holistically. But Disney Plus itself is still a vanity project that overspent on content for one specific type of consumer. And that type of consumer to me feels probably more fickle than the average consumer. I just feel like they're in a weird space. So unless sports becomes a big draw of the Disney package or they somehow manage to add content that has more general appeal, maybe I'm just being pessimistic about who wants to actually watch all these fucking Star Wars shows. But I just I I think that's where the economics of this fall down and they're now having to think of oh no, uh, Bob Chapek uh doomed us all by creating this doom plan that it was actually bob Iger's idea no you're i mean you're you're totally right this has been a criticism of disney plus almost since day one which is all of their original content effectively has been either marvel or star wars related which i mean obviously those are two of the most you know popular you know media brands there are but there, there's only a certain number of people <clears throat> you're gonna, you know, you're gonna reach there, and they've they've really not done anything to reach a 
a broader audience, um, especially not in the way that like a like a Netflix has. Yeah. All right, and then I'm. I feel like the the Pac-12 segment is mostly to listen to Upgrade. That's so yeah. On, four, I, on, I think on, on episode given on episode that four, it's, yeah, eleven o'clock. Yeah, I, I would say yeah. yeah. So on episode four hundred seventy one, there was a good like thirty minute discussion about so Pac-12 is the West Coast College sports conference that is basically disintegrated because their leading partner for a new media rights deal was Apple, and I guess like the thirty second summary of this is that. Some schools ha- thought it was interesting. Some schools thought the fact that this would not have any type of like local or traditional kind of like airing schedule and that it was going to be 100% streaming only as far as we can tell was not really tenable. And then the competing interests, was it, was it literally just Fox or was there somebody else that was dangling better, more traditional deals in response to the Apple deal? Well, there were there were you mean like the the Fox stuff with the the big, like the big, big ten yeah, or, yeah 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 it was because I know Fox, I know ESPN yeah. and Disney are the ones that have the SEC conference but I don't or the SEC channel but I don't think they were involved in this yeah no it was it was Fox that ultimately kind of yeah stepped in but yeah but like I I am so I am not deep enough in the weeds on any of this but I know there was a couple of good articles in the Athletic and also a great discussion on an upgrade about how this whole thing fell apart and as, as somebody who like i am not into college football at all but i could name eight or ten of the schools in the pac-12 like i knew enough about it and it was relevant to me and, and it's and it's very surprising that that whole thing is basically up in smoke due to media to to greed and incompetence it's it's very it's it's fascinating well i mean that's that's college football and the ncaa in general but that's a bit of a whole different story i mean in some ways the pac-12 stuff is kind of like the canary in the coal mine too where what's happened to the pac-12 is is basically going to happen to all of the all of the conferences over the next decade where football's probably going to break away from all of the other ncaa sports and become kind of its own thing all you know the top 30 32 teams are all going to basically form like this one kind of premier league style conference that'll have you know four divisions in it or whatever the math ends up being and it'll you know basically be you know the you know minor league version of the nfl like that that's basically where this is this is going and and you know unfortunately for the pac-12 they were what the first major conference to to kind of go through this but that this is what they've gone through the last couple of weeks is is kind of the the direction of of college football interesting all right um and apple didn't make as much money this time everybody's <laughs> has opinions all right chef specials let's do it um what you got so I'm going to send you this and you're going to, you're going to probably require um, more context um, right away, basically um, keyboard work. There we go. Um, so I, I haven't really talked about this on the show. I don't think, but um, the lady friend and I for Christmas actually got a um, projector 
Um, because, you know, speaking of uh, wanting to do things outdoors, particularly when it's really hot, um, there were a couple of times last summer where we thought, oh, it'd be really nice to be able to have some kind of like little projector set up and, and watch TV in the backyard when it's when it's really nice. And so for Christmas, we got a little um, anchor uh, projector, which maybe I'll, I should talk about that more on a show at some point. Um, and we, we got that all set up, um, kind of at the start of the summer and we've, we've really ended up liking the setup and, you know, because of how hot it's been recently, we've ended up using it a fair bit. The, the one part of the setup that was a bit of a weak point was, um, the, the projector that we have just has some like garbage android thing built into it that's got really crummy versions of the the streaming apps so what you really want to do because it has an hdmi port so like what you really want to do is hook some kind of external streaming thing to it and so i i have that roku um stick thing that i keep in my travel bag um and so we you know had been using that to 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 watch stuff on the projector um, and that, and that was fine. I mean, it was a little bit of, of an annoyance to like pull that out of my travel bag and, and get that set up, but like that was okay. Um, the other issue though, is that the, the built-in speakers <laughs> on this projector are really, really crummy. Um, but the, you know, Roku does have this feature, which is a little clunky, but it does work where if you have the Roku app on your phone, you can stream the audio from like your Roku stick to your phone and then have your phone stream the audio to a Bluetooth speaker that you have connected to it. So I had that set up where I had my Sonos Move connected via Bluetooth to my phone and then was streaming the audio from the Roku stick through my phone to the Sonos Move. That sounds like hell. <laughs> so yeah, a little... Well, was, was the audio actually in sync that'd actually be kind of impressive if it was it it was in sync which yeah i was also impressed by ironically the audio was actually more out of sync if you just tried to use like the built-in projector speakers using <laughs> something connected via hdmi which doesn't really make any sense but yeah the the, okay. the the audio is pretty in sync one of the issues though in addition to that setup just being pretty clunky is that the the audio quality on Sonos when you're using Bluetooth instead of their, you know, Wi-Fi thing goes dramatically down. So, like, the audio quality was okay. It was certainly better than using the built-in projector speakers, but it wasn't great. So, you know, between having to fish that little Roku stick out of my travel bag every time we wanted to use it, setting that up, and then this audio issue, it wasn't really, like, an ideal setup. But we do, you know, we do really like the the Roku setup. And so I started looking into it a little bit. And that's where I came across this thing, which I sent you, which I, I think I had heard of before, but because I never really had a need for it, I, I had never really looked into in detail before. But it's, it's the Roku Stream Bar. So this is like a $100 thing that's basically like two things in one. It's, it's, a, it's a Roku streaming device and it's a little sound bar. And so it's, you know, it's just got an HDMI port on the back. You hook that up to your display or projector in our case, and you've got both, you know, video through the Roku setup and you've got audio through the built-in soundbar. 
And I got to say, this thing is pretty, pretty awesome. You know, it was, was super easy to set up as you'd expect. The sound quality is, is like surprisingly decent for a hundred dollar device. I mean, way, way better than the Bluetoothing audio to the Sonos move. And the, you know, the, the convenience of having this sort of all in one device and have a device that's, you know, dedicated to this projector setup that we have now is, you know, exactly what I was, I was looking for. So really neat, neat little product for like, you know, our use case also seems like it'd be a really great product for like a secondary TV setup or a TV, like in a studio apartment or something like really, really good, um, good solid device. Remind me, do you have, or at any point, did you have, what's, which, which is the big guy, which is the small guy, the arc and the beam from Sonos? So I, I have both, of, of course. So I have, we have the, um, the beam. Which is the small guy? The beam's the small guy. So how much is the beam? Three, three ninety nine probably? Yeah, probably. Something like that. $500. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, everything with Sonos It's like the Apple thing up. at 20%. Right. Um. So how what I I just I can't wrap my head around what a hundred dollar soundbar would sound like. So again, like I I think it I I was so I'm somebody who is pretty picky with sound. I would say like to the point where it, as much as I enjoy kind of the like the ecosystem and software around Sonos, I, I've kind of always been a little underwhelmed by the audio quality. Because I, I, which again, I think it's because I'm just kind of picky about this stuff. And so I, you know, maybe it was because I had low expectations with this Roku stream bar thing, but I, I was, I was pretty Im- impressed. Um, I mean, the other thing though, is that, you know, because this is in our backyard and because we're a considerate neighbor, we, we do keep the volume quite low. So we're not, we're not really testing this thing out i guess like we're not stretching the limits of it by any means sure um like i i I don't know if i were to set this thing up in our house and like actually you know boost up the volume and maybe it would start to kind of fall apart there but for for what it is for 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 the price and for the fact that it's an all-in-one thing like i i've i've been been really impressed by it nice yeah interesting i yeah, I because I just don't like Roku. Like I, the Roku remote, like just physically leaves so much to be desired for me. I'm even though it's probably an okay product, otherwise I still kind of poo poo it. But this everything they offer is at such, and I understand why because of their business model. But it's also cheap, or it's also it makes it hard to want to go for the like the upgrade pick because the Roku stuff is so good enough and so cheap. Well, and also as somebody who is, you know, generally picky about user interface and performance, you know, as somebody who owns, you know, an Apple, you know, TV 4K, which the only benefits of that is that it's got a, you know, better interface and is, you know, a faster UI than most TV interfaces, like the the, the Roku stuff is 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 really good it's not you know it's not quite on the level of like polish and performance that that the apple tv is but but it's it's pretty darn good 
And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's also, there, there is something to be said about like the fact that, you know, we have the, the secondary TV in the living room, we've got this streaming stick thing that we travel with. And now the stream bar, like the fact that we've got this, like, you know, interface that carries across all of those devices like that, that is pretty, pretty nice. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I should, I should talk more about that projector setup we have. We've got that. Got that dialed in pretty well now, and that's been that's been fun. Yeah, save it or pencil it in for a for a slow week. I'm interested. All right, my my pick. I I I, I don't have anything that's uh super pressing, but I I do enjoy a very casual iOS game at times. Like I generally do end up like just reverting to my my crosswords and my old manness, but. Uh, there's this actually comes via threads uh, from friend of the show, my, my, uh, Internet Michael, Michael Hurley. Um, this is a new game that came out in June, and it's a game called Coffee Golf. And are you familiar with what Wordle is? I am. Yeah. What's what's uh, so the premise of Wordle is that it's it's a puzzle that you get five chances for, and there's only one puzzle a day. And that's kind. They they take that approach here, which is what makes it interesting, is that basically it's an app that's very well designed, doesn't have any ads in it. The only upsell is that you can um, pay four dollars once to be able to replay levels and also go play like historical levels if you forgot a day, which I instantly bought. It's great. Like, it's a super well-designed game, and it's very pretty, and the mechanics of it are great. And basically, you get a generally a four- to five-hole little, like, fictional golf uh, course or whatever um, once a day. There's a brand new one once a day, and that's all it is. It's a game that you play for probably, like, 90 seconds to two minutes a day, and it's just the right amount of fun. Like I'm somebody who's never been intrigued by, uh, what's what's the, the like like your, a Roblox or a um, what's the, what's the what's the dabbing game? Uh, Fortnite. Fortnite. Yeah, yeah. Like something like that like ga- like I think games are just like Star Wars. I I do think are kind of a waste of time. Uh, but stuff like this that's very low stakes and just fun, but really really doesn't matter. But also will not doesn't have the chance to occupy a lot of brain space is very fun for me so no yeah the, the, this is a great game and it it'll it's free and at most will cost you four dollars and it's uh super fun so recommend people give it a try i, I am <clears throat> literally downloading it to my iphone now this seems awesome <laughs>